The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, and welcome to Spectrumly Speaking. I'm Becca Laurie, your favorite coffee mug, maybe your favorite t-shirt, or maybe your favorite autistic co-host of a podcast. <laughs> and I'm joined here by... Hi, I'm Dr. Kate Cody. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist who practices in New York City. I work with kids through adults on the autism spectrum, offering therapy services, uh, parent services, and diagnostic evaluations. Um, and I also supervise graduate students in training. Uh, and I'm here as Becca's co-host for this podcast. Yay. How are you, Becca? I am feeling real out of sorts today. I'm having one of those days. I don't know if you've ever had them, but like I wake up and I can already tell it's just going to be a day. Like I, I know it. I'm like in a cranky mood for whatever reason. And then I just like I can't get myself together. I drop everything that I'm trying to do. And I can't like the printer's not working and all these little things have been interrupting my day. So I'm having that kind of a day. Yeah, I think we've all had days like that, um, for sure. I mean, there's a reason why we have that expression, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Mm Um, so I totally get what you're talking about and I'm sorry to hear you're having that kind of debt. It's all right. I get it. It keeps me humble to have a day like this thrown in. It's good. It's good for my soul. I think (laughs) what's going on with you, you know, getting back into the routine after, you know, kind of a crazy start to the year. And, um, you know, of course there's like always new things that get added in as, you know, as everything kind of ramps back up. So I'm just in, kind of like constant transition mode with changing. Actually, I'm, I'm accepting applications for next year's round of grad students mm. and, you know, all of those things that, you know, just require a little extra attention. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Um, and so, you know, that that's kind of where I am. So I'm in a little bit of like that hyper-focus mode with work-related stuff. Yeah. I, I really, I, I have to tell you, I did have like this crazy thing happened to me this week I went on a search like I I realized that my t-shirts had gotten kind of gross this is so random I ran realized that my t-shirts had gotten gross and I was like I wear them a lot I like to wear um a lot of cat t-shirts but I also wear a lot of autism t-shirts um and I particularly like it when they're funny and so I was like okay let me you know see what everyone else is wearing and what do they have so I kind of like put a call out on Facebook about t-shirts and I realized that as I was looking through them it's again this this problem that it's always about kids so it's like T-shirts are all T-shirts to be worn by a parent uh, or by a little kid with autism. Um, And they're all the puzzle pieces and the um, primary colors. And it just looks juvenile and all that stuff and no sense of humor about itself or anything. Um, So I kind of just threw it out to everybody. And what I ended up finding was a whole bunch of autistic artists that have done used the Internet to their to create you know, self-employment, essentially, and um, made t-shirt companies. They're designing their own t-shirts through sites like Redbubble, things like that, that are accessible to everybody, but it allows them to kind of work from home. Um, And so I I found a whole bunch of new artists and new t-shirts. And um, I think that it was such a great moment of saying, wow, look at all these other self-employed autistics that are out there and look what they're doing. And so I was able to support a bunch of artists and fellow autistics. So it was really fun. So I challenge you guys, go look for your for the autistics in, in your area that are doing the things and providing the services that you're looking for. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, so we are super excited about today's um, guest, Kimberly Jerry Tucker, or Kim, um, who is the author of the memoir, Under the Banana Moon, and a professional artist whose work was featured on the cover of the Art of Autism book, Shattering Myths. She gives panel talks, book signings, and does collage workshops and presentations. She also works part-time as a software tester and is working to become an accessibility tester. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me. Hi, Kim. Hi. We'd like to start the show and usually start our interviews with the same question. Can you please let us know how you first received your autism diagnosis? Well, I think it was pretty uh, commonplace. Um, it was actually a series of three steps. First was the self-diagnosis, and then the peer diagnosis, and then finally the formal diagnosis. And the self-diagnosis was in around 1994. I had read Donna Williams' book, and from page one, I just knew, okay, that's what it is, and I found my people. And it was such a revelation. I was 30, and then after that, for the following few years, I kind of found people online that were like me. I had uh, pen pals all over the world all of a sudden that got it. And that was the peer diagnosis portion of it. And then in 99, my 17-year-old was diagnosed on the spectrum. And shortly after that, at the age of 35, uh, my formal diagnosis finally came about. And I think it's pretty common for people to actually get diagnosed in adulthood. I would agree with that as a clinician who does adult diagnoses. Yeah. That, yeah, it is. And I think also what you're talking about in terms of getting the diagnosis after having a child diagnosed is a really yeah. common occurrence. Kim, can you tell us how you became involved with the art of autism? I love the art of autism. And I just joined as a board member. Uh, I actually met Carrie Bowers in 2006. She interviewed me for a documentary-style film that she was doing called Arts. Uh, we taped in New Haven, Connecticut. And after that, I just kind of kept in touch with Carrie. And eventually, my artwork was selected for the cover, as you mentioned, of the Art of Autism book. Uh, the, the painting itself was a self-portrait of a shattered image. And I think that was selected because it, it fit in with the theme, Shattering Myths. So that that fit in. And that, that was such an honor. And I just kind of kept in touch with everybody until last year, I was asked to be a part of the board. And we're actually doing something called pods at Art of Autism, people of diversity speaking. And what it is, is we're creating uh, an actual board on the site, which is a visual database of our diversity uh, that will just be a place to showcase um, the diversity in autism. We embody all talents, ethnicities, ages, and we're taking submissions right now uh, for somebody to submit things to me and be a part of that. 
Yeah, and I am proud to say that I did submit myself for it. Um, I wanted to give it a try and be able to pass it along. Um, and so please, you guys, uh, I think it's going to be a really great opportunity, another way for us to kind of leave a history for ourselves and let people know who we are um, and what we look like and that we look just like them. Um, and so um, please participate and you can definitely get in touch with Kim. You'll have her contact information if you're listening now. Um, but uh, here's I'm going to move us on to a topic that I think um, is of interest to a lot of people in our community, but it's something that you and I share in common, which is uh, selective mutism. Uh, for someone that doesn't understand selective mutism, can you please tell us a little bit about it? Well, first first of all, I did not know that you were a part of the club. We have that in common. But, you know, people don't realize a couple things. It's not shyness. It's not stubbornness. It's not incorrect parenting. And it can be lifelong. And what people also tend to not realize is it's a physical inability to control your own vocal cords. It's as if you are always fighting them. And environment can play a big role. I mean, I'm in my home right now, but last year I was on a panel in a fluorescently lit room. My peers were just speaking fluently in front of podiums, and they didn't have the dual diagnosis of selective mutism. I was so proud of them, but I did find ways to communicate. I pre-recorded my presentation, and I presented that video to the audience, and I had a question and answer where I type the answers on a keyboard and then my words would come up on the screen. So I kind of compare it to a cell phone where it's going to die soon. It's in the red and you need to leave the house, but somebody is going around unplugging the phone every two minutes and you become more and more anxious. Will you have enough charge when you leave? So the thing is when my social light, so to speak, needs recharge, I may have to plug into something like solitude or art or something in a comfortable environment. Um, I may turn down a morning social get together so I can recharge for an important meeting later in the day. <clears throat> it's like every day of your life, you get so much battery charge and being an introvert on top of selective mutism and Asperger's, you can really drain your social battery with the littlest things. And I only get so much of it. So I have to spread that throughout the day, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That that does make a lot of sense. Um, so it sounds like a huge part for you has really been learning kind of what the things are that can be very draining of that social battery. Um, and then also kind of developing some specific strategies um, so that you're still able to make sure your voice is heard even when you're not able to physically speak. Yeah, I, I was actually uh, in a book by Carl Sutton and Cheryl Forrester called Selective Mutism in Our Own Words. And it's such an important book. And my picture's actually on the cover. I'm kind of like the poster child, I guess. But, you know, everybody in that book has an insider's perspective. And it's a really important book, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any specific pieces of advice that you would kind of offer to people suffering some, uh, from selective mutism that are having a difficult time advocating for themselves? I think you really have to believe that what you have to say is valid and then you have to say it somehow in your way and don't feel less than because word constipation is painful. Mm -hmm. So journal, blog, write, 
join a group of peers. Saturday, I spent five hours recharging my social battery by collaging a woman with words and colors exploding out of her head. Mm. And someone Mm. walked by that art and said, what was in your head when you made that? And I said, well, you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, oral communication is not the only way to communicate. You can do that in your art and writing and you can find a way like I did on the panel talk. I'd like to do a TED talk. I really do. But I think that environment would likely mute me. But TED talks don't support the selectively mute by using communication devices. I'd really love to be the first person who gives a TED talk that way, if they're listening. When you can't communicate, Carl Sutton advises, don't be afraid to ask for help. And I agree. I do presentations at Lesley College by typing and my words appear on a screen because Professor Keefe accommodated me. You can't be afraid to ask for help. When my autistic son was in high school and I had to speak on his behalf, in a meeting in front of 12 people, I brought an advocate with me and he said, if you can't speak, hand me this pen and I'll speak for you. And it was good to know that help was there, but I never did need to have him hand me the pen. Another thing that we have in common. (laughs) So part of your book, Under the Banana Moon, covers with dealing with grief uh, as someone with selective mutism. Can you talk a bit about how mutism hampered your grieving process and what strategies helped you through those times? Well, you know, I wouldn't say mutism hampered my grieving process. It just kind of changed the process and the way that I did it was a little bit different. I actually had to become my husband's voice because his voice literally disappeared from the paralyzing disease ALS. So at that time, all these machines were coming in and I was trained to help him communicate with a device. In fact, today I'm in the software field working toward accessibility uh, software testing for the disabled so they can communicate better with technology. It's kind of like coming full uh, circle. But to effectively communicate my husband's needs to doctors and all that when he couldn't speak, I had to actually be speaking. So I had to speak in many stressful environments to advocate for him. And art has been my recharge thing. But when I was a full-time caregiver with three children for five years, I had to make time. I, I guess art helps me reach this theta wave state, like meditation, and so I can slowly come back. So during that time, I actually wrote a book that got represented by an agent. I made art by mosaicing tile pieces all over the TV cabinet. I dressed in full mime, including the makeup. I sat there uh, doing treatments and feeding my husband through his feeding tube, dressed as a mime. And you know, mimes don't have to speak. (laughs) There was no speech expectation, and I got my little Theta Wave boost. It's just that I make time for my needs so that I can be a better person for other people. And that might look different to someone else, but I I really didn't care how it looked at the time. I was doing what I what I really had to do. Well, and it sounds like a lot of what you did was kind of, um, you know, using what you knew your strengths were um, to sort of like work through that process and also kind of advocate for your family in an effective manner. Um, And and I think you know, that awareness of kind of 
where your strengths were and where your struggles were, it sounds like you were able to really kind of use that to sort of effectively go through that process. Yeah, it really is all about balance, about moderation and pacing, uh, being kind and respectful to your own limitations, embracing your flaws, but pushing your comfort zones uh, where you know, where you know you can. And it, it just means that you're having a different aspect of human experience and you're just doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, Kim, could you please um, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can find you? Well, I didn't have any um, anything with my web uh, site here handy, but I do have the address to submit to pods. It's podsartofautism at gmail.com. And my blog is at ravenambition.wordpress.com. Or if you want to see art or access my book, you know, you just Google my name art or writing and a ton of stuff comes up so it's pretty easy to find me fantastic we're going to go ahead and move on to the segment portion and kim is going to join us for it she's going to stay around um, and we're going to be talking about this week um, how we can how someone can go about finding a creative outlet if they haven't yet recognized one um, and this is sort of uh, an interesting topic to me because I don't really consider myself a creative person. Um, and I really, you know, I, I am a writer by nature, but I have always written factual information. So I never considered it to be creative. Um, but I'm finding that I do have a creative part of me that works through my writing. So I'm sort of beginning to accept that piece of me. But um, if you had asked me that maybe even a year ago, uh, maybe two years ago, I probably would tell you I don't have a creative outlet at all. Um, and so this is an interesting topic for me. Maybe I'm missing out on one. Well, I also think like, you know, we have to sort of flexibly think about like what creativity is, um, you know, because I know for myself even, um, like as a, as a kid, I desperately wanted to be, you know, a good artist. Well, you know, I, I really don't have that great artistic skill and I'm also a perfectionist so that didn't really go well together um and so I sort of found my creativity in writing which I actually don't even do anymore um but that was one way and then I think the other way as an adult that I've kind of found my creativity is in cooking um and I think that you know when we start to like get a little more out of the box in terms of how we define what what is creativity um it can help us to really sort of like expand what we are open to trying in terms of like potential creative activities. I totally agree. And I, I think the my struggle with being creative and with art um, in general is that it's for me, it's such a very it's a vulnerable place to be. And it's the thing and vulnerability is something I have always struggled with. Um, I don't I've talked about it before that I struggle with identifying my emotions and processing them. Um, and so that combination of two things and, and then also just add in the fine motor skill issue that I have. And, and I just wasn't set to be um, somebody who could be creative in that way. But um, I do do other creative things. And I guess I never really expanded the way that I looked at it. Right. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, 
you know, people kind of um, just taking a chance or a risk even, you know, in terms of exploring, you know, different possible creative outlets and, um, and, and kind of pursuing different opportunities and exploring, you know, what things might be um, a possible good fit. Um, and, and I think that that kind of openness to experience goes a long way in terms of finding like what creative outlet might be the right one for you as an individual, right? Because like what works for me might not work for someone else and so on. The Japanese actually have a word for finding what your passion is. It's pronounced ikigai. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It's kind of about noticing yourself, sort of like wabi-sabi. I don't know if you've heard of that, um, which is like the way that they will fill a crack in a very old bowl with liquid gold to just remind people that flaws can be embraced and beautiful and and there is use in it. And the ikigai, uh, when I think of it, I think of um, maybe Pinterest because, you know, if you set up a board on Pinterest, there, there is everything to ignite your passion about any interest you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. And I really recommend that for help finding uh, a creative outlet because the ideas are endless. Have you ever stumbled upon, you know, a creative outlet or, or, or new one for yourself that you didn't kind of think was going to be your thing, but it ended up being your thing? Oh, definitely. I um, was part of an autism pilot program in 2006 and I was supposed to mentor under somebody with painting. And when I got to his garage, he was he was this amazing Hungarian guy. His name was Zolt. And he had an accent. He was he was amazing. And he, what he did was wood carving. And I said, you know what? I kind of already get painting, but I've never done wood carving. And I made the most amazing things with him and the memories of his amazing stories. So the whole experience where... Who would have thought I'd be sitting there every week, twice a week, wood carving with this person who's now passed? And I'm looking right now at three things that I carved myself that I never would have had that experience if I didn't say, yeah, what the heck, I'll just try wood carving. And these things are made of cherry wood. They're made to last. And, like, I would I would bleed or something, and he'd say, Kimberly, your your DNA is in the piece now. It's, <laughs> it was just, and I think of that when I look at these things, and I never would have had those experiences if I if I was afraid to be vulnerable, <clears throat> which I was, and I I just had to push myself, my comfort zone, and I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the. I think that that's just general good advice for people on the spectrum yeah. of generally everybody, I guess, but um, especially those of us on the spectrum, we sort of love our routine and change is streaky and transitions are not fun and all of that stuff. So the idea of trying something that could potentially not be fun, like you have no idea. Um, and, and to, to do that anyway um, is really one of the bravest things that we can do as people on the spectrum. And so, but that's, that's when, how we find, the places that we're most passionate that's where we fall into our special interests or enthusiasms that you know that we talk about the those things that kind of ignite our souls and keep us going to get through all the other stuff that we don't like in, out in the world um so you know i think you know if you 
can if you have an opportunity to do something i know our autopilot is to say no it always is um, but say yes try saying yes occasionally um, and or just at least turn your default no off and, and add a maybe in <laughs> you know um, because that's how we find things when you try something new um, you can definitely try something new and walk away and say you know what i hate it i'm never doing it again and you never have to um, and then you get to say it from a factual place which we love to do that you have done it and so you know you don't like it um, and um, the other thing is that sometimes you fall into something that you end up do liking or you, or you do like or you find somebody there that you do like um, and there's that secret social then you get to wave your social flag and say you did your social for the day and stuff like that so um, get out there and do things I mean I think that's that's maybe even finding new things to do is maybe my creative passion I guess I, I really am I'm trying very much to, to say yes more often to things um, well, and I, do, I think sometimes like we can get stuck with kind of rigid ways of thinking too about like what what the options are and so I also kind of encourage people you know look up um, meetup groups look up you know community college courses I mean really just kind of like spending a little bit of time kind of searching I mean I'm sure you could even google like creative activities for adults I haven't done it but I bet you could mm -hmm. and I bet you'll find some things um, and, and so I think that that's part of it too, is kind of just being open to like taking a, a look to see what is even available to you in your community can go a long way. God, I would love, I wish I had a group here. Maybe I'll do it myself. I wish that <laughs> there was a group of autistic who was like, you just had a group of people who are like, hey, we're going to try new stuff. We're going to like vote on something to do that yeah. none of us have done. And we're going to all go do it together. This crazy thing. And, um, if a group of us were going to do that, it would be end up being fun whether we had a miserable time or not. Um, that's the truth. But but that's you know that's life. That's when life happens is when you're living it and doing those things and taking those chances and trying new things. That's that's the living of it all. Um, so I love that this conversation turned into this conversation. I would say please go to the art of autism. You know what? You'll find some ideas there. Frankly, that's another really good thing. Plug it again. Art of Autism. Go check it out. Really good stuff on the site. Um, and please go and, and check out what Kim's doing. Check out pods. You can definitely get involved with that. It was super easy and fun. Um, so please go and check that out. And of course, look for her books um, and follow her with what she's doing at the Art of Autism. Um, and make sure that you check out differentbrains.org as well as checking out their Twitter at DiffBrains and look for them on Facebook. If you're looking for me, you can find me at www.beccalaurie.com or you can look for me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And of course, you can follow my ESA Walter on his Instagram at Sir Walter Underfoot. I can be found via email at drcody at spectrumpsychservices.com or via my website, which is www.spectrumpsychservices.com. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and don't hesitate to send questions to spectrumlyspeaking at gmail.com. And let's keep the conversation going. Spectrumly Speaking is a production of Different Brains. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.